Evening, everyone, and uh, welcome to another night of Continental Tires Trade Radio. I'm your host, Damien. Actually, no, I'm Darren Levine. Uh, Talks Insiders, it's brown and gold only here. Um, just filling in for Ash tonight, who's been studying Liam Pickering's body movements all afternoon at Marvel and is hopefully going to give us a bit of colour later. I think he's actually got to slide his phone under Mark McKenzie's desk, is what I'm hearing. Um, I'm joined tonight by my co-host, Danny Prins. Evening, Prinzy. Evening, Daz. Uh, good to be here after a very interesting trade period, which only really anything... Um, nothing really happened to the last 10 minutes, other than, as you said, everybody talked about how many times Liam Pickering smiled in the space of an hour and a half. Yeah, everyone was on full Pickering watch tonight, it seemed. Every time I tuned in, someone was analysing a body movement or gesture. It was pretty weird. Um, evening, Brad. Evening, all. I uh, don't know whether to laugh or cry. I don't think Ash is actually dialing in from uh, Marvel right now. He's giving us a little glimpse into Mark McKenzie's talk. So if you just tuned in, that was um, the sound of Mark McKenzie live from Marvel. Ash has got a, a phone under his, under his desk and he's um, going to beam us in when when he... Oh, we're back. We're back. Mark. Um, yeah, we just had to work through a few things. And obviously, there was a bit going on tonight with plenty of other deals going on. So, um, you know, I think for everyone to, to get that done, obviously for Tom to start a new journey there, but obviously to get some picks in and um, bring in a guy in Cooper Stevens to um, the footy club, who's another big inside mid that um, first round draft pick that we've got some high hopes on. Where did that all come from? Yeah, it hasn't really been a late one for us. We've probably uh, we've known Cooper since he's under eighteen here, obviously, um, and we feel that you know obviously with some um, depth there in our mid that we need to strengthen that. And Cooper um, has had some injury interruptions in the past, but to bring someone near that size and you know that age to add to our midfield group is important for us. So we know he's a competitor. He's going to put the work in and really add something to him. Uh, 
oh, look, we've had interesting in from that time. I can't go into details of exactly how long, but there's been constant conversations in where that's been, especially recently. Do you know, um, how do you identify what's too much, how much experience is too much to cut it? Where, where do you find that line to make sure that, you know, you do have enough leadership and maturity next year? Yeah, it's an interesting one because I think this year, um, Coach Sam Mitchell flattened the leadership group. I think he made that um, pretty open and honest with everyone outside there. So he flattened the leadership group, which allowed a lot of our younger guys to develop their leadership. So that's really taken away the age of the, age of the person in the group. We saw some leaders like Dylan Moore, um, you know, Mitch Lewis, Jack Scrimshaw, CJ. You know, those guys come through just from that. You know, it's their club. There's responsibility there. And those guys jumped up and did a really good job. So, um, yeah, we could see what, see what people may say about the leadership side of things. But there's definitely some positives inside the footy club. Do you know from an age profile point of view, will you be the youngest next year? Have you sort of had a look at any of those numbers or how you might be well, the list isn't finished yet, so we're still going. We've obviously got uh, the delisted period, and then we've got the national draft as well coming up. But um, I think with our number one priority was to get Carl Amon in first. So we brought in a 27-year-old, 27 obviously Lloyd Meek at 24, and then Cooper at 21. So it's, it's actually not bringing in just 18-year-olds through the draft or anything like that. We've looked at positional, so outside with Carl, inside with Cooper, and then our rough brigade with, um, with Lloyd coming through. So we've been pretty particular there with our strategy. Um, but, yeah, our age, I think we were third third youngest last year. Um, so we'll wait and see after the draft and the D-list appear and see where we sit. Yeah, Lloyd's really developed. Oh, so he got drafted as a 19-year-old um, up from North Ballarat. So uh, he's really improved um, just his mobility around the ground. And, and yeah, 24 years of age, that's how long these rucks take. So for him, for... What he's shown, we knew there was a lot of clubs inquiring about him this year. Um, so to really add to that group of 203 centimetres, you need big rucks. He competes on the ground, he competes in the air, and has really developed nicely. So we know um, what he's going to put in when he comes out of the footy club. Who's the number one ruck these days? Well, I think we're going to... Look, Ned, Ned showed some real good signs this year, um, you know, coming through. And obviously we've had some injury concerns um, with all our rucks at, at this point in time. So... We want to build that group that's coming through. And we, we don't shy away from, you know, Max Lynch, Max Ramsden have all playing different positions. So those guys, they've got some mobility. They could play forward. They could play rough. So finding that combination is going to be important for us. Are you paying a fair chunk of Tommy Oh, I can't go into the details about anyone's um, salary or anything like that going through. I did see something before about paying um, um, 100% of something, which is just totally incorrect. So that, that's not correct. But I won't go into the details. Oh, I won't go into details, just about the money. I can't go into those details. And with him going out, Amir at Gunston, and then you had quite a few uh, veterans retire as yep. well, was there a need to free up the salary cap space, or is this just how it's panned out? Oh, it's just really how it's panned out. There hasn't been a need to... Like, we're in a, a healthy position, cap-wise, um, but we do have a list management strategy that we need to work towards. So that brings in everything, so... Um, the way you want to play, your cap and all those sort of things, it really brings in um, everything. The cap's part of it, but from our point of view, um, no, that didn't come into account. There are a couple of names who you think can take a big step next year in the midfield without Jager and Tom there. Yeah, obviously John Newcomb, um, you know, he'd come first onto the scene, and especially this year after playing a few games last year, and it's really, you know, he's one that needs to take the next step as well, and I think that's the journey of a lot of these guys when they play a good half season or a good season is to back it up again. Um, so whether it's him, whether it's Dylan Moore playing a bit more in the midfield, Will Day as well. Obviously, Cooper Stevens coming in. Um, James Walker, who, was in, who had some injuries this year. So we've got 
a really different mix, kind of Nash going through there. So there's going to be a number of guys that I think you'll find will go through that mix. And even Carl Amon went through there with um, Port Adelaide for the first half of the year. So I think um, the versatility of these guys going inside, outside is going to be important. Just on Jago, how quickly did that whole situation develop? Yeah, it happened pretty quickly, to be honest. Um, obviously, he was um, his management was, was approached and it sort of come up really quickly over the last few days. So, um, again, you have open conversations with management groups, the player and the other team as well when, when that comes up. And we've been pretty clear with that the last couple of years um, overall. So, yeah, that was one that came up uh, you know, a bit closer to the end, apart from a couple of the others that might take a little bit longer than previously. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Well, there you have it. That was Mark McKenzie um, being interviewed live for Marvel. Ash has got the phone under the desk, and this is the sort of exclusive content you only get on Hawks Insiders. I think some of the big talking points there, obviously addressing the age profile, um, that the, the list not being finished, obviously, with the draft coming up. Um, the number one priority in the draft period was Carl Amon. Uh, the, the need to sort of build that ruck group with Lynch and Ramsden, um, the fact that we're in a pretty healthy position cap-wise, um, and uh, a, a, a kind of different midfield mix that we're looking at for next year with, with maybe the likes of Moore and Day um, and Carl Amon as well um, flowing through the middle. So, yeah, did I miss anything there, Prinzi? Uh, no, I think you pretty much nailed that, mate. And look, uh, great effort by you to just roll with that as, uh, as we just uh, bended to Ash's whim. But I think... Um, I think it was a great insight um, to hear, you know, live from Mark McKenzie. And we got a we got a tweet in the chat saying, "Does this classify Mark McKenzie as a friend of the show?" And it absolutely does. Um, but yeah, I think I think the priority was to get younger and let Sam Mitchell have full reign of this list with players that he wants to have. I think one of the criticisms of Hawthorne's um, list, and especially their midfield over the last five years, has been the speed of the midfield. So moving on O'Meara and um, Tom Mitchell, who are both fairly one-paced midfielders, um, to allow younger guys um, with better endurance and better better speed is, is definitely a positive. And um, yeah, I think, you know, with those four picks from 40 to about 52, we've just got to keep an eye on what the Hawks look to do with that. It might be... Um, you know, trade up. There's um, the Lions have 34, which is their highest pick, so that might be one to target. But um, Essendon also have a father-son prospect in Owen Davy Jr., uh, who is expected to be bid on, you know, pretty highly in the first 25 picks or so. So we could target one of their their picks as well. And if not that, um, I'd be looking to see us not maybe not ideally, but looking to see us try to trade into. Um, next year's draft with a couple of those picks bundled together to give us an even better hand next year, which is supposed to be a pretty stacked draft. So I think you've covered all the bases really well, Daz. And I think um, although, you know, my initial impression of that trade period is not amazing for the Hawks, I think it is a pass and we need to see, and this is what um, Mackenzie was preaching there, we need to see, uh, we need to be patient and see what it looks like at the end of the whole period. Um, including delisted free agents and, um, you know, uh, trading picks for other picks. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a wait and see as far as I'm concerned. Well, we'll get your full thoughts on, the, on what we're going to do um, on draft night a bit later on, Prinzi. But um, Ash is back. Hello. Good to be with you very quickly. 
how did that go with Mark? Did, you, did it work? <laughs> did ask. It worked. Oh. It worked. It, we heard him clear as a bell. Um, yeah. Some some pretty you know pretty positive statements there. I think I think about the list management strategy and what what did you make of that, Ash? Yeah, I thought uh, he. Uh, I think he was braced himself for the for the questions about uh, um, how competitive the team will be next year, and he sort of did the no ceiling, which I guess is another way of saying no speed limits, which is the Sam Mitchell mantra. But uh, I think we'll wait and see how, how it all washes up. I mean, the commentary are saying it's uh, I get give Hawthorne mixed grades at best out of this, but I think uh, I think the team has been set up briefly well for the medium term by bringing in a 27 and a 24 and a 21-year-old and trading out uh, a couple of 28 or you know, nearly 30-somethings who both would have been gone in 12 months anyway with the, you know, they would have been out of contract. Mitchell and O'Meara next year, and they wouldn't have got perhaps got anything for them. So I think they've made the best of resource situation. Um, it's interesting to note, I mean, someone put up before a picture of the leadership group from 2021, one player left at the club from the entire leadership group from two years ago. So that speaks volumes of the changing of the guard there. I think also when you look at the fact that uh, the flattened leadership group that um, Sam Mitchell brought in last year, I think that suggests something as well, that he, he didn't see any of, uh, you know, he didn't see... Amira, even though he was temporary captain for a while, didn't see Amira Mitchell in his long-term plans either in terms of being leaders at the club. So it's just a, it is a fascinating time. As, as I wrote in the Substack, it's, it's Sam Mitchell's team now to mould and shape in the way he wants to. And as several have commented, it really is slamming the door shut on, on Alistair Clarkson and his adventures in list management, a couple which paid off, several more recently that did not. So it's uh, onwards and upwards, as they say. Um, yeah, I think there was our friends at Hawk Talk putting up the picture of the 2021 leadership group, and it was it's pretty surreal. You've got Shields in there, Jager, Tom Mitchell, McAvoy, Gunston, and only Warple is the one that's left. And who knows whether he'd even be in leadership calculations when they when they make those decisions next year? Ash, can you just paint us a picture of where you're at at the moment and and, and what the what's it like there on the on the trade room floor? Well, it's a bunch of journos bashing out things on deadline. Um, and the trade radio, the trade TV, are packing up their packing up their uh, set. Uh, Mark McKenzie was the last last uh, recruiting person to come out. Um, you know, for all the list managers come out and say a few words. Uh, Mark McKenzie was last, uh, so everyone was waiting around. And quite a healthy tendency here. What uh, Hawthorne had to say, because I think people look at them as a bit of a story out of uh, out of what's happened these last few days, and it'd be interesting to read the different analyses of of what they've done, perhaps through more objective eyes than ours as well. So uh, that will be something you can look forward to in the next few hours and, and days. So that's sort of the, the sort of the mood where it is now. I thought it was interesting just reflecting a bit more on on, uh, on uh, what Mackenzie had to say. I mean, there might be a touch of the Jack Scrimshaw about um, Cooper Stevens. He was very quick to point out he was a, he was a first-round draft pick at the Cats, whenever, whatever draft that was. And Tavares just didn't get an opportunity. And John's Andrew Mackey made the point that... Uh, once they would bring in the likes of Broome and Henry and Bose, that uh, opportunities would be limited. From all reports, uh, uh, Stephen's a Hawthorne supporter from Colac. Uh, so there's a reasonable pedigree for Hawthorne, for players from Colac coming to Hawthorne. So if you're going to be a fraction as good as Luke Hodge, we'll all be very happy. So it's a bit of a homecoming for, for Stevens as well. So he'll be happy to get to the Hawks. We heard the question about who's the number one ruckman. I think there'll be a ruck competition at Hawthorne over the summer. Which will be intriguing, um, but I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't rule out. Stevens has a good summer. I wouldn't rule out him being in the team 
best yeah, starting 22. And it might be a toss-up between him and Nash, you'd think, for that starting uh, sort of big-body midfielder in there as well. And, uh, you know, we all love Connor Nash, but uh, Connor Nash, the bashing crash with Nash with a bit more polish, it might be what they need. So a bit to look forward to. But, uh, look, I, you know, I'm going to wrap up now because I've got to get back and do some work. But I don't think, you know, I think, Hawthorne probably will be battling to get match the eight wins from this year, but uh, I think the commentary out of it is that they've set themselves up for long-term success with the moves they've made over the last uh, over the last few days. Fascinating to see whether they can bundle these picks. Danny, your, this is your department where they can do anything more. And Brad, looking forward to your first, your next best 22 on Hawks deciders on the Substack in the next 24 hours or so as to see how, how, how it all comes together. There's still a couple of good players who won't make the best 22. So, there is, you know, the, the team's not absolutely terrible next year. It's just going to be quite young. Well, thanks for joining us, Ash, and really appreciated that insight into into the, the, the kind of final few moments of the trade period and also Mark McKenzie's comments there. So, get back to it, and uh, I'm sure we'll see, uh, hear from you later. Um, in the week, if not next yeah, week. Yeah, the housekeeping. No spaces tomorrow night, everyone. We'll be back next Thursday, as usual. Enjoy the rest of the evening, boys, and uh, look forward to hearing to some vigorous conversation about the Hawks over the next little while. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ash. Um, and we've got AJ, who's just joined us with a question. And as always, um, uh, hit the request button, and Prinzi will let you on if you have any questions. There's a lot to get through tonight. Boys, I made, I made a joke on my Twitter saying I'm no longer convinced Jagger Amira might be captain next year. But the serious aspect to that is what does the leadership group look like now with Mitchell and O'Meara both out the door? Is, is this now where the conversations start coming in around a Blake Hardwick or even a Dylan Moore coming into that leadership group? Absolutely. James Sicily will be the captain next year. I think the leadership group will be made up of uh, Blake Hardwick, Dylan Moore, John Newcomb, those uh, younger boys. Um, I think it's a no-brainer now that this is uh, the captain. He'll be, I think, 29 come next season. Uh, one of our most experienced players now. I think there's only going to probably be in our best 22 next year. Probably only three or four players, uh, 26 and above. So it's going to be an interesting year. But yeah, in my opinion, Sicily captain and then a leadership group of uh, Blake Hardwick, Dylan Moore and John Newcomb, probably uh, Bruce as well. Well, I'm not sure about Bruce. And I think Mackenzie actually hinted that CJ could become part of the group or, or, or was involved in some sort of leadership um, discussions. I don't know if anyone else caught that. I'm all, uh, yeah, no, I didn't catch it, but um, I'm, I'm, in, I'm all for CJ being um, part of the leadership group. I think some of the stuff that he's done in the community and around the club um, and in his um, and in the South Sudanese community has been ph- phenomenal. Uh, likewise with Dylan Moore. I think the more young, good um, characters that we can bring uh, in and around this group, um, the better. And Cooper Stevens, like, won't go straight into our um, leadership group, but uh, was a captain of the Geelong Falcons uh, and a leader in his own right through his juniors. So um, really well-respected young character. And I think the Hawks have put an absolute premium on drafting that type of player in the last few years. So if you look back at uh, Josh Ward and um, Connor McDonald, they captained um, various sides that they played in. Um, you know, likewise with Will Day being just a quality young uh, young man, Denver Granger Brass the same. So there's really uh, you can see a bit of a, a trend with the the type of player 
um, that they're that they're targeting and uh, and why maybe they they moved away from looking at, at at other other players. Can I also throw the name Jack Scrimshaw out there as a leader as well for the leadership group? You can, and I think that's a good uh, name to chuck out there as well, just quietly. Absolutely, and I think um, there's no doubt in my mind that Josh Ward is going to captain this club one day, maybe too soon uh, to elevate him into that group, obviously, next year, but just uh, just has leadership all over him, to be honest. Um, so just wanted, before we get into to your thoughts on um, just sort of the your overall thoughts and how this trade period went, would going to recap it all for the people that actually had stuff to do today. Um, let's go back to the start of trade week. It was Carl Amon from Port as an unrestricted free agent, then we had that really sad news about Gunners picking Brisbane and heading over there for pick 48 and the Lions' future fourth round. Um, Mitchell to Pies in a, in a pretty complicated three-way deal, or not really that complicated, um, that sees, uh, saw Cooper Stevens arrive from Geelong plus pick 41 and pick 50. Uh, then Lloyd Meek and a future second from the Dockers in exchange for O'Meara and a future fourth. Brad, I would love to hear your thoughts on how this trade period went and just give us a, a mark overall. Um, similar to Prinzi at the moment, I think I give it a pass just. I think we've got to wait to see what happens come uh, draft night. I think McKenzie must have something at up his sleeve. We've got, other than pick six, which will become pick seven and 24, we really needed to get at least one more pick in the top bar 20. GWS was the play there. Unfortunately, Frio came late for Jago and he's ended up going there. I think it's the right decision from him, but it's going to cost us. We've got picks 41, 48, 50 and 52. I don't know how we do it because I'm pretty sure Brisbane's earliest picks are a couple in the 30s. They need extra picks to get more points, but we need to somehow, I don't know how, get at least one more pick probably in the top 25 this year. We got the Fremantle's future second in next year's draft, which is a much stronger draft. But Frio are going to be strong. Uh, I actually think it's season. the Bulldogs one, Brad. I think it's the Bulldogs Yeah, because well, I think Frio second, because all the reports are that we got Frio second, but Frio second was traded in the Jackson deal. Yeah, so, the, AFL, the AFL website says that, uh, and thanks to Chizzy um, for pointing this out, the AFL website says that it is the tied to the Dogs. So yeah, roughly so around that same space. Irrelevant. The Bulldogs are pro- 35. The- the Bulldogs are making are going to will, will play finals uh, next year. It'll probably end up being say pick twenty eight to thirty two, which is I guess okay. That's but again, bad. we're at we're at the rebuild stage now, where we need as many top fifteen to twenty picks as possible this year and uh, next. We lose experience in Mitchell O'Meara uh, Gunston. We obviously bring in three younger players potential with that potential. But Lloyd Meek played most of the year in the Waffle. Cooper Stevens played most of the year in the VFL. Yes, they were, you know, Cooper Stevens was, I think, pick 19 in his draft. But these are unproven players. So Sammy Mitchell, as I've been saying, and most of us agree, has a huge job ahead over the next couple of years because next year is going to be hard. It's going to be exciting because we're going to be watching a lot of young players. But the next two years is going to be a hard slog for us, but we got to be patient. So with Prinzi, I think it's a pass just. Carl at Amon's a great get. He's an elite player. He's going to be 27. We need a couple of experienced players. But 
other than that, Lloyd Meek will play. Um, he'll play in front of uh, Max uh, Lynch, which is unfortunate for Lynchy because he had a shocker of a year last year off field and on field. Came to our club to get more game time and he's going to start next year in uh, Box Hill. Uh, Cooper Stevens will start the year in the VFL. Hopefully he plays a few senior games, but there's going to be a few guys fighting for those spots in the midfield. James uh, Warple's one, Connor Nash, uh, whoever we pick up with pick seven will hopefully play in the first few rounds of the season. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting time ahead. So we'll wait and see. Pringy, before I get to your take on the trade period, we've got Stuart with a question. Uh, yeah, good day, guys. Um, I, the, the deals at the end sort of confused me. And I, I think the first impression was, why do we do them? Um, but then you sort of look through it. And I mean, I, I can see, I can see Bulldogs going back a few picks next year, um, which will give us a, a far better, far better um, chance uh, of picking up someone that um, in a draft that is being heralded at the moment as a possible super draft. Um, and uh, pick forty-one, well, that pretty much goes to pick thirty-seven pretty quickly because Brisbane just used all their picks up. So. Um, yeah, I, th- I think we've come out of it okay. Um, and, I mean, if we looked at uh, look back on it, and in particular, Brad, what, what you've been saying over the last couple of weeks, if, if not longer, um, we probably got what was right for Tom Mitchell and Jager O'Meara. Yep, I've been saying it all season long. I know it early on I copped a lot of flack from a lot of supporters saying Tom was worth the first-round pick. Unfortunately, with the way Sam played him this year and after the club put him and Jager, Jager and Chad Wingard last year up for trade, we had no choice but to take whatever Collingwood were going to give us uh, this year. I think 27 is absolutely fair uh, for Tom. I think he's going to be brilliant for Collingwood. Unfortunately, we're going to see probably not Brownlow uh, uh, medal Tom, but uh, he's going to be a really good play for Collingwood. But unfortunately, as I said, the way he was played by Sam, we had no uh, choice. So that was a fair pick. Uh, Jager as well. Uh, Lloyd Meek, I think, is going to be a decent play for us. We obviously end up with the Bulldogs' future second pick. So that was also a very fair trade. I think Gunston for us is going to be a massive uh, loss. That's the one that's really going to hurt us. Uh, our key position forwards, at, as we you know, sit here uh, tonight, heading into next year, are Lewis, Kaczynski and uh, Sarong. Those are our only three key forwards at the moment. Uh, Jekka was drafted as a forward, but, you know, he's been played down back. Uh, I honestly believe Sam Frost is going to start next year as a forward before he hurt his knee last year. He played a bit in the forward and did a pretty good job. Um, I'd play him over uh, Cozzy. I know a few people are going to laugh and uh, disagree, but... Sam signed a new two-year deal. He's an experienced player, and I think Cozzy had a really poor year. I think he needs to earn his spot in the seniors and play at least the first three or four weeks of Box Hill next year. So, um, yeah, um, again, uh, interesting times ahead. Yeah, look, I think um, the beauty of the Meek deal is that it frees Cozzy up to actually play in his position and not have to pinch hit um, in the ruck or even just, just kind of you know, pinch hit but not have to play a lot of minutes in the ruck. I don't think he's a natural ruckman and I think it kind of took him away from really 
practicing on his forward craft. So I think Meek will actually have a really great effect on that on that forward group. Um, we've got a few more questions. Stalking, I think you were next. Yeah, g'day, guys. Um, I'm really positive about the um, the trade period. Really, I don't I don't understand any of the negatives at all. To be honest, I've I guess writing this year, I've kind of seen that you know putting Tom Mitchell back in the pack um, or playing him out of position has allowed Dylan Moore to play midfield instead of the half-forward role. And we've seen him be awesome and seen John Newcomb get extra minutes. And I'm just seeing all these young guys that are all going to get a fair thing from crack that have been as great as they can be. Um, yeah, and as Sam Mitchell says, maybe I've drunk the Kool-Aid a bit, but, um, there's, you know, there's no speed limit. And, you know, we, we haven't... To me, I don't think we've lost anything that's going to impact us in three years' time. You know, because if, if we're looking at you know two to three years down the track from now, we we haven't lost a draft pick that's going to impact on that. We haven't lost a player that's going to be impacted on that. Um, so it's, it's all upside for me. I don't see any negative at all. So I'm really happy and and pretty positive as a hawk spotter right now. I love that uh, that outlook, mate. And I you know I wish uh, probably I. Um, shared a little bit more of that with you, but I, I do I do see what you're saying. You, you're right. Like uh, Mitchell moved O'Meara and uh, Tom out of the midfield as much as possible, but this completely removes that potential logjam because if you've got those players on your list, you have to select them. Um, you have to play them, and now we don't. Now we can literally just commit to those kids, um, and I think that that's a really exciting thing going into next year. It's a little bit scary because it takes away some of those seasoned bodies that can crack in and and uh, and really compete on a consistent basis. Um, but you know, it it opens the door for you know, like you said, Dylan Moore, more midfield minutes, Josh Ward, and Connor McDonald, and um, you know, potentially Ned Long. And Cooper Stevens and a few other guys like that. So um, you know, let let's see how we go, and and we've got to be prepared probably to take a step backwards in order to take a step forward. Um, and losing so much experience like McAvoy, Gunston, Shields, even though they you know the two of those three weren't huge contributors this, this past season, just losing them in and around the place is going to hurt. But um, I think all of these things are better for the Hawks long-term. And in three years' time, like you said, I don't think we miss anything. I think it just would have been nice to be able to go to the draft with sort of three or four picks inside the top 25 to really replenish the cupboard. Um, But if Mackenzie thinks that Stevens is one of those, we go with two more and and maybe we can trade up some of those picks to get another one, then we're there or thereabouts as it is. Oh, absolutely. I think – sorry, sorry, I just – Still a bit extra time, but I think we've picked up Carl Amon as well. Yeah, so we, we can't underestimate that we have brought in top line talent. And one final other point is um, it's all well and good to have experienced bodies and then have you know, your Josh Wards or um, your Dylan Moore um, rotating through the midfield while those guys are out. Um, by not having Mitchell and Jago on the list, you've essentially got two extra spots for young guys to rotate through in terms of having a chunk of time. So it's not just exposing two guys half the time while Mitchell and Amira are like playing a bit part role. It's potentially exposing four guys to half the season. And I reckon that's just, yeah, that's massive. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, and, and and what it's going to do, and you just saw how well Warple played that year, that Mitchell had the broken leg. It's just going to force those guys to, to, to kind of step up. And I think the thing that people are not talking about is how Mitchell spent the whole, Sam Mitchell spent the whole year preparing for life without Tom Mitchell. Uh, reduced game time, reduced centre-bounce attendances. He wasn't really a factor in our midfield mix. In, in And you could just see Sammy just experimenting and trying things out. So I think that's the thing people don't really want to talk about with, with the Mitchell trade. And, of course, his experience and seniority around the club is a big loss. But I think in terms of the, the on-field, midfield mix... He wasn't really a factor. Um, we've got to go to Aiden now with a question. Hey, guys. Um, just wondering about the key forward stocks. Uh, is there any chance of uh, picking up Fergus Green anytime? You know what? Honestly, nothing had surprised me anymore this offseason. <laughs> um, I think uh, I think if it got down to it and the Hawks are a little bit worried uh, that they don't have enough, enough depth in that area, um, that there's a, there's definitely the potential for for Fergus Green to be taken as a rookie and 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 put on a one year deal and see how he goes. Um, you know, I think the the other fascinating wait and see is is Emerson Jecker to see how they utilise him next year. Uh, he was promising down back uh, last season uh, or the season just gone, but the one before when he was coached by Sam Mitchell in the VFL. He was the league's best tall forward um, until he was injured. And um, you just wonder if there's space opened up for him that potentially, depending on how he goes in preseason, that's where he ends up again next year. I think that's a wait and see. And look, you know, he's on a one-year deal. So he's the percentage chance of him being the answer uh, is probably pretty low, but he might be an answer for a period of time. Um, I think, you know, drafting an extra tall forward uh, is definitely an option um, this season too. And there are a couple around the mark uh, at 24 and also in the 40s that we can look at. Uh, and then we also have Jerome Lawrence, who's a key tall uh, father-son, son of Stephen Lawrence, who will go late in the draft. So he might be one that we can just stick on the rookie list and see how he develops as well. Oh, we've spoken at length, obviously, about uh, Carl Amon and... Gunston and, and Mitchell and Jager, but I'd love to hear both of your thoughts on, um, first of all, Cooper Stevens, um, who we know has grown up as a Mad Hawks fan from Colac. I think his nickname might be Hodgie now. Um, he's incidentally the third Cooper that we've had at the Hawthorne Football Club with Paul Cooper and 61 Premiership winner, Graham Cooper. Um, any mail on him, Brad? Uh, no, other than he was, uh, I think, pick 19. He was sub a couple of times for Geelong. I think he's only played seven or so games since being drafted. But Geelong's been such a strong side. So I think we can't really, we're not really going to be able to tell uh, until he actually starts playing games. I don't think he'll be in our side come round one. I think he's going to have to uh, earn his spot. He'll play in the VFL, but he's definitely going to get a chance uh, to play with how poor our uh, midfield is. There's going to be, you know, come, you know, round four or five next year if um, a couple of the guys who are probably going to play at early on in the season, guys like uh, Warpool, uh, Nash, um, and those guys, Finn as well, who played really well uh, last year. But I think those guys are going to have to play really well at the start of the season. 
because there's going to be a few younger players um, playing for Box Hill who'll be pushing to get a senior game. So uh, Prinzi might know more about him, but he's come from the Geelong system. So he's been, you know, with a really strong club over the last few years since he got drafted. Um, I think he was definitely worth, you know, uh, the punt for the pick that uh, we got him. Um, definitely, uh, I think, you know, he's probably going to play and hopefully we find a good player. Yeah, just piggybacking off what Brad said, look, um, Cooper was, he had a broken fibula in his draft year, so he didn't play a lot as an 18-year-old in the in the NAB League. Um, it was drafted, I think it was actually pick 16 to Geelong that year, but um, yeah, late mid to late teens. Um, obviously found it hard to break into the Geelong side, a very strong Geelong side, and that was when, you know, more than ever, they were playing all of their older players. Um, they had a bit of a change of heart this year and played guys like Max Holmes and gave Cooper Stevens some games, played seven, two of those as a sub. Um, didn't, um, you know, tear the house down or anything like that, but he had some very, very good games at the VFL. I think he finished his season with a 32 or 33 um, disposal game in the last game of the season in the VFL. Um, he's 188 centimetres um, and, and mid-80s in kilos, so he's a big boy. And um, he is an inside midfielder. He's a contested ball winner. Uh, he's a clearance machine. He's a very good endurance runner. He has um, a very strong vertical leap. Um, and, yeah, um, really, really good on the inside. So he'll come in and he'll effectively replace, uh, you know, one of Tom and um, uh, Jager in terms of that style of what we uh, what they would should should be used for. Uh, and he'll compete with, like like uh, Ash said earlier, you know, the likes of Connor Nash and, and guys like that for a spot in the midfield. And I think it's just good to bring in competition, younger guys. Um, we're going to be seeing a lot of draft picks in the next couple of years that are coming in really, really green. So it's good to have somebody that's been in, a, in the system and in a good system at the Cats as after the Geelong Falcons um, for a couple of years with a seasoned body. Um, and I'm sure Hawks Insiders will tweet out um, a picture later on of Cooper. He is absolutely shredded. He is a he's a man mountain. And um, well, we've just I just got a message from um, a friend of ours, uh, Nick Talantos, who said he he'll only be the second best Cooper uh, that plays for the Hawks after Cooper Hodge in 2027. So there's something to look forward to. Isn't Cooper Hodge going to be playing for Brisbane? No, 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 no. We're thinking positive vibes. Here, he's he's a Hawk through and through. I'm um, speaking of some senior players that you know have had a few years in the system. It's a big year for Walpole now. He's he's really got to step up, and can you see him making that step, Danny? Uh, look, I think I think with Walpole, it's a flip of a coin. It really is. Like everybody keeps going back to 2019, where he stepped in for Tom Mitchell, and uh, and was fantastic. Can he get back to? back to those heights that's the question and look we're not going to know until we see how he goes in pre-season see how the shoulders are and see if he um you know just by removing omira and mitchell if he has that confidence lift that we would hope for um but i would suggest it's um it's sort of last chance saloon for for um james and and he'd want to make he'd want to make every post a winner uh in next pre-season Look, the, the reality is he goes into next year being our most experienced mid, pure midfielder and, um, and and it really should be his for the taking. So um, it's, a, it's a watch and see for, for me, that one. God, that's a pretty scary thought, Warple being our most senior mid. Um, 
Brad, you kind of touched on Finn before, and I'm wondering now if if this is the time for Sammy to release the tag and 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 turn him into that that pure mid that that he was kind of drafted as. Yeah, I think we're going to see it uh, next year. I think Sam wanted to sort of teach him uh, defensive uh, footy uh, last year. He was probably the best tagger in the game in the back half of the year. He was brilliant. We spoke about it quite a lot. But, you know, Finn's pro- – I think, Danny, correct me if I'm wrong, this will be his fourth season. Yeah. Um, I think the time is uh, right. He's got uh, the size. Um, hopefully he has another big preseason. His skills probably aren't up to scratch, but as uh, Danny uh, mentioned, Warple's going to be our most experienced uh, midfielder. I've cu- I've done my best, you know, my round one team, which will be posted uh, tomorrow. Uh, Warple, I've got literally is the last spot in the team at the moment. I couldn't decide between uh, MP and him. I've got uh, MP as the sub. If we see a sub next year, there might be five on the interchange bench. Um, but yeah, the midfield is a worry for next year. Jai, um, who's obviously you know going to be a star, we saw he got tagged a couple of times last year and he really struggled. He fought through it a couple of times, but he was often sat on, which is unfair for him. He shouldn't be getting tagged, but it's gonna he's gonna cop it more uh, next year. Our midfield next year is gonna be made up of uh, Josh Ward, Jai, um, Dylan Moore will play a lot through there. Obviously, Finn, Connor Nash, uh, Warple, and then, you know, Cooper Stevens uh, will get a run. Ned Long will probably play a bit as well. So the midfield is really, really raw. It's uh, we could Pick seven will probably play a few games as well. But the midfield is a worry, and we really need to hit free agency hard the end of next year and in 2024 we're going to have a lot of money Prinzi will probably keep an eye on uh, the list for us I don't think next year's list is great hopefully the list the year after is really good but we're going to need to bring in at least someone who's probably 25 plus um, to complement the younger guys in the midfield because our midfield at the start of uh, next year unfortunately I might be uh, wrong Prinzi but it's honestly bottom two in the AFL yeah, I think that's fair, Brad. And I think uh, before we get to Jack, who's been waiting patiently for, for with his question, I think um, I'd be keeping an eye out for conversations. Well, we probably won't hear about them, but um, similar to what Geelong did with uh, Jack Bowes this year, um, we we will be looking actively looking at salary dumps next year. Um, if you listen to, uh, I think it's Craig Cameron, who was the Gold Coast list manager today, um, I heard a little clip that he... Uh, was speaking to the um, AFL trade radio guys um, and he talked about that he believes there'll be an appetite for a lot of, for more clubs next year to do a salary dump style thing that they did this year. So that's one to keep an eye out for, I think, next year more than necessarily free agents. I actually think we're probably um, a year, maybe two years away from even like considering major free agents, unless it's a Carl Amon type that just pops up and wants to come to us because we're not going to be super attractive to free agents next year. Um, we need to get sort of 40 to 50 games into our young guys and they need to turn the corner and become really quality AFL players to take our team to the next level. And that's going to take two seasons at least. Jack, you got a question. Uh, g'day, everyone. Um, sorry you just covered this because I just had one recently. But what do you reckon is going to go on with pick six here? Because seems like we've got quite a few mids. Good back line. But I don't think it would be good enough, like it's high enough for Harry Sheedle to go. 
So what do you reckon's going to go in there? Uh, yeah, I think Sheezel will probably be gone by the time we get to pick Jack. Um, I think he'll probably go to, it sounds like the Jungle Drums are beating, that he'll go to North Melbourne with uh, two or three, um, along with one of uh, Sardis or Wardlaw. I think it'll be another midfielder, and, and we absolutely need midfielders. We need probably three or four more high-level midfielders to round out our midfield group. Um, so you'll be looking at somebody like um, potentially Jai Clark, um, Cam McKenzie, um, uh, Bailey Humphrey is one I really like who has a point of difference um, and uh, those type of players would be the ones the Hawks would be looking for with their with their pick um, the, their first pick, absolutely Yeah, but like we just have that many midfielders we've just kept bringing them in I don't reckon we need any more I reckon we said develop the ones we've got don't you reckon? Uh, potentially, I think we definitely need to develop the ones we have. I think um, you can. The the thing about AFL list is uh, on a list of forty odd, you can never have too many um, AFL quality midfielders, um, and you need to be able to rotate sort of ten guys through those positions. I don't think we're anywhere near having ten AFL caliber, very good AFL midfielders. Um, if you have a look at sort of the the really good teams, the Geelongs. Um, the Melbournes, uh, the Richmonds over the last few years and the Bulldogs, they have uh, just a plethora of talent that run through their midfield and they base their their competitiveness on having an incredible midfield group. So I think we need to look to try to do the same thing. But I think you're also right is we need another gun small forward and we need another gun tall forward, I think, absolutely as, as areas of priority. So, um, you know, the reality is if you um, trade away a lot of your experienced players, you often have a lot of holes in your list and that's where our list sits at the moment and I'm sure the Hawks Insiders boys will do a bit of work around list holes and stuff like that in the off-season and um, see how we fill them in the coming year or two as we go. So, um, yeah, thanks for the question, Jack. I think... I think you're absolutely right. I think we do need forwards, um, but I probably just tend to think that we need midfielders just as much. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Righto. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, question, Jack. Appreciate it. Um, I think, you know, Mark McKenzie's been pretty forthright in saying that he'll, we'll, we'll draft the, the best available. And I think whether that's a mid or a, or a forward, I think they'll, they'll be looking probably to do that. Um, in terms of our draft hand, we've got, um, if I'm correct, 6, 24, 41, 48, 50, 52 and a future second. Does that sound right, Princey? Yeah, and I think 65 maybe as well. Um, there's a pick in the 60s too. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously we don't count the future pick in this year. That just goes into next year's pick picks um, stocks. But that's a lot of picks in an area where ideally you don't want to have a lot of picks in this draft. And I think that's probably... From my point of view, looking at our trade period this year, that's my biggest concern is um, looking at this this draft crop. I think there's about 35 to 40 good players and we've got four picks out of our probably, you know, out of, out of our first six picks that sit outside of that range. So, um, you know, I if you have a look at, and I'm, I'm going to do a piece, hopefully I'll get time to pump one out tonight. If not, it'll be done tomorrow morning. But Brenton's done some of the, the heavy lifting for us, talking about uh, potential trade to uh, with Brisbane Lions. Um, you know, they've got 34 and 35. Um, so potentially looking at um, trading up to get a couple of those. Although that's on the back end of where we'd want to be, we'd probably want to be sort of more 24, 25. 
uh, I still think there are good players to be had at that stage of the draft, and that'll be better than um, than what we have now. So, another thing to keep in mind, and we'll, I know we'll talk more about the draft stuff closer to the draft, and we're going to have some um, you know some draft experts on like Cal Toomey to talk about some of the prospects. But um, we do have Cooper Vickery, another Cooper, uh, who is tied to us through our uh, Next Generation Academy, who is. Looks like um, they'll be there or thereabouts around pick 40 as well. So he's a um, sort of a dimmer hardwick type back pocket, small defender, uh, very good pace, um, good endurance and uses the ball pretty smartly. So, um, you know, on top of the, the draft picks that we will take, we also have uh, that NGA prospect who's rated pretty highly. And I think he made the NAB League team of the year this year as well. So um, good, good little prospect there. And obviously son of the great Ty Vickery. Uh, yeah, sure. Let's go with that. Um, there's, there's so much wrong with that statement, Daz. Son of, <laughs> of Ty Vickery and the great Ty Vickery. I think a whole lot of legend Ty Vickery. Yeah, um, absolutely. Brad, that brings us actually quite nicely into your tweet that you put out that went quote-unquote viral earlier today where you looked at Clarko's recruits um, since the Hawks last won a final. Um can you talk us through, I mean, you've, the, the, it's, it's, it's not a great list and you've given a lot of cross marks. Um, we've got Tom Mitchell, who you've given a tick to. You've got Amira, the cross. Ty Vickery, Hawthorne legend, got a cross as well. Ricky Henderson, you initially gave a cross, but you've... That was an error. Tick. I copped that a lot of error. grief for that one. A lot of grief. <laughs> um, Tom Scully, cross. Uh, Darren Mitchington, cross. John O'Patton cross, Kyle Hardigan cross, Tim Moore cross, Keegan Brooksby cross, Tom Phillips cross, only Wingard, Impey, Scrimshaw and Frost remain. What, what, what's, how do you feel, and I know, probably know the answer to this, about um, our last kind of seven to eight years of, of recruiting? Has it been an, a, a bit of a disaster? You tell me. Like, I don't know, like I've been saying it for even four uh, years ago, we, we finished top four in 2018 and I was going on about it then, the fall storm when we went out in straight sets and then Clark Hope did the wing guard trade. Um, I know a lot of those guys, you know, we got us free at agents and a lot of them were, th- you know, f- like the Scullies and the Patterns were your future third and fourth round picks. And I followed it up with the tweet with, you know, some plays who we got in the third and fourth uh, rounds, you know, guys like Sicily, Hardwick, Moore, uh, Warple, uh, Lewis was pick 76. I think he was the second or last pick in the draft. Uh, Lewis actually was drafted um, earlier, like he was quite young. He got drafted the year um, I think we picked up um, Patton. And I know at the time they seemed like really good picks and they came for nothing. But picking up players like that, Clarkson played those players. And guys like Lewis played in the VFL when they should have been playing in the seniors, whether they were ready or not doesn't matter because we're doing what now, what Clarkson should have done four or five uh, years ago. So I get people say, you know, we gave up uh, nothing uh, to get them, maybe so in uh, draft our capital, but by bringing in players like Phillips and um, Patton and Scully meant that guys who we had drafted at the time weren't given games. And Clarko's on the record as saying, he didn't believe in uh, the draft. And um, it's actually quite funny because we won our three-peat off the back of guys like Hodge, pick one, 
Buddy pick five, Ruffy pick two, Lewis pick seven, Birchall first round pick, Cyril pick 12. I know we bought in guys like Lake and Gibson and those guys, but the draft is crucial. And you look at that list I put out, people are going to disagree um, with the marks I gave uh, the players, but I stand up by it. And it's why the club is in the position it is uh, today. The end of next year is going to be eight years since Hawthorne uh, won a final. And when we win our next final, it's probably going to be 12 or 13 years since we've uh, won a final. And I know we won three flags in a row, which is great, but we're a club that believes in our success. And to not win a final for 12 or 13 years is poor. doesn't matter that we won three flags. You can argue all uh, you want and you can yell at me, but that's not good enough. So... You know, that was, you know, that's just my uh, thoughts. And I get people are going to uh, disagree, which is uh, fair enough, but um, I stand by it. I'm actually with you on that one, Brad. And, you know, it would have been great to get a few more kind of top end picks in this trade period. But I think at the end of the day, I'm just happy that that money ball period is over. And, and, and you make a good point about, you know, some of these players costing us nothing, but the amount of energy and the amount of resources that went into rehabilitating Jager and rehabilitating Tom Scully and trying to get all these kind of broken Jonathan players. Jonathan three new and reconstructions in class consistently played him, despite the fact that he was terrible. He couldn't move, wasted a spot. As I said, Lewis could have been playing in the side instead of Patton at the time. And there would have been other guys as well who were drafted at the time who just Clarkson wouldn't uh, play. And he kept on playing guys like that. Uh, Hardigan uh, came in uh, for a couple of years, you know, great guys, so, you know, serviceable. But guys like that shouldn't have been uh, playing. Whether they cost a future fourth-round pick or uh, whatever they cost, it really hurt us because we couldn't develop the younger players. And I know we didn't get, you know, we didn't have the top-end draft picks. But the Wingard trade at the end of 2018, perfect example. He trades Ryan Burnham, and I know our supporters get our defensive, but we bought in that Jack Scrimshaw. Jack Scrimshaw's our better. Ryan Burnham would be in our starting 22 uh, tomorrow. And we traded a first-round draft pick. So Chad, great guy, good a teammate. Injury-prone, doesn't get on the park. Disaster. And his trade, that trade, was as bad, if not worse, than the uh, Jager trade, which was... I think pick 10 in a future second round pick at the time, which was a terrible trade as well. Thank you very much for being so patient, Peter. Um, you've got a question? Yeah, thanks, gents. Um, I agree with a lot of what's been said tonight. Um, and we've been focusing on midfield and forwards, but I, for one, believe that um, we're probably lacking a guerrilla defender um, and something that should be addressed in this national draft coming up. Uh, I think that Sis, Sis, you know, he is such a great player, such a great leader, and does all we ask of him in the back line. But, you know, we've got Denver Grange Barras, who's got some question marks. Um, we've drafted Blank from the VFL, who could make it, but there's a question mark there as well. But I do believe that I think we need to really focus on getting you know, a Frawley type, a Lake type uh, in this draft to, to cover a key defensive post. And I just wanted to know what uh, other people think of that. Excellent yeah, point. Oh, uh, is that you, know, you can go, see? 
Oh, yeah, bro, everyone's sick of hearing your voice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that the Hawks honestly believe, and and Mitchell and Andy Collins have seen a lot of James Blank over the last three years, and I think they believe that uh, that he has the potential to be able to hold down that fullback role. Uh, and look, he looked he looked pretty good, but there's also a reason why um, they trialed uh, Emerson Jecker down back as well, right? So um, I don't think uh, that they've had. Um, they've found exactly what mix that they're going to have going forward. But I think they believe that uh, definitely um, James Blank has the potential to be that lockdown forward, Peter. So um, whether we uh, draft another key defender, I mean, you never stop drafting key position players because um, some develop, some don't, some you have to wait four or five years for before they um before they really get to a point where they're ready to contribute. Some can contribute straight away. And it's why we preach patience with these young key defenders because, um, you know, we've got guys ripping into Denver Granger Barras, but his body's just not ready, you know. So um, we just need to be patient and see how the next year, 18 months sort of turns out. I think before we draft another key defender, uh, but I think they think they've got some options there that they might be able to use going forward. Are there any prospects, Danny, in in the draft? Any defensive prospects that we could potentially look at? There are. There's Jed Buslinger who um, factors to go somewhere around uh, our first pick to about pick 15, somewhere in that space. Um, He is another WA key tool. And then there's a few sort of a little bit later down the the track. There's Lewis Hayes, who's the brother of... Uh, one of the Hayes, maybe Sam Hayes, who plays um, for Port Adelaide, one of the Hayes's anyway, uh, who's a good um, young key tool. Um, but yeah, I think um, I think we probably wait a year at least before we start to draft another key defender. Okay. Thank you. Um, thanks for that, Peter. We've got Patrick um, um, on the line. Patrick. I just wonder now, with like us resetting, if it makes keeping Tasmania more important, and also will it mean Dingley becomes more important as a selling point to clubs now that we're probably not going to be good? You can take this one, Daz, I reckon. Yeah, I mean, clearly Dingley's an important and and I wonder how the, how if if Dingley was was further along whether that would have sweetened the deal for getting Bows and um, Bows and pick seven to the Hawks. So it's it's clearly a big chip in our um, you know in the story that we're selling to players. And hopefully if that gets done, then the next year's trade period is going to be a bit easier and we'll be able to get what we want. Um, in terms of the the Tassie deal as well, I mean that's that's pretty crucial. Uh, to the club and to the to the commercial um, partnership of the club, but um, yeah, as, as in, in terms of trade capital, I think Dingley is super important. Have you got any thoughts on that, Brad? Uh, fully agree uh, with that. Tassie's an interesting one, though. I, Ash has spoken about it a bit. Um, the AFL commissioner, uh, you know, we're going to hear the decision hopefully in the coming weeks about the future of our Tassie. It's looking very likely like that they are going to get uh, their own uh, club. When that's going to be is going to be an interesting thing. And that's another uh, watch and see for us because it means uh, more uh, dilution of our talent because like GWS and Gold Coast, um, 
Gold Coast in particular has been an absolute disaster, as we've seen in the last couple of years with their list management. Tasmania is going to get a massive, uh, you know, uh, leg up from the AFL. So how that's going to affect the lower clubs like us, um, hopefully we're not that low, you know, when Tasmania are coming in. But, yeah, um, the future of Hawthorne in Tassie is an interesting one. We'll obviously, you know, hopefully be there for the next couple of years. Um, but, you know, with Tassie getting a team in the future, um, we'll see what happens. Thanks for that, Patrick. And friend of the Hawks Insiders, David, with a comment? Yeah, a couple, boys. Just quickly, I think um, about the centre line, I'm, I think blokes like Moore and, um, and the Irish young bloke, I've gone blank. The Irish young bloke got Connor Nash. Their second year, they're going to be better. Connor Nash, that's his first year playing in the centre. And I still believe we've got one of the best centre field coaches in the game running the whole show. So they'll be better with an off-season, these boys. Our back line, I think our back line is our strength by a long shot. Um, I agree with we needed more forwards. We've got to have, not because we need the extra forwards. I think we've got the right forwards. The problem is, can we keep them on the park? That's the problem. Our ruck stocks will be got. It'll be nice to have a possibility of playing 15 to 20 games with two ruckmen, not one ruckman and 37 other blokes who have a crack at it. The other thing is the argument about Clarko, I think Clarko's drafting got stripped when Cyril left. That changed the whole balance of how they were doing things because they had the best small, one of the best small forwards in the last 20 years. He walks out. You've got no small forward. At the time they drafted Chad, he was probably one of the best five small forwards in the game. And since then, you had to give up something to get something. And we lost on the deal because of, as Brad said, injury and just not getting on the park quick enough. And that I'd love you, Blakes, one night to talk about what the Cyril deal changed, how it changed our projection. Because I've got no doubt Cyril may have played fully fit till 33. And that's a five-year period, and everything changes. Yeah, it's a great point, Dave. And I think, really, when you when you look at um, our small forward stocks, and it, it really bl- blindsided uh, Clarko and the club uh, when Cyril left. And you know, trying to trying to get the Mitchington, or um, I think Lovell was maybe drafted around that time, or maybe just before. It was just just nothing seemed to sort of work. And I think that's why it's so crucial that we've actually held on to um, Brewsty just in terms of that that small forward player. I think if he'd gone as well, you'd you'd really be looking at, at, at a wooden spoon position next year. I think his, not just his seniority, but, but the, the way, you know, those 40-odd goals, it's just who would actually um, fill in. Uh, we don't have a ready-made replacement just yet. So, yeah, the serial deal was was a massive curveball and it would be great to unpack that one in the future. Thanks, as always, Dave, for your question. Um, Stalking, you're back. Yeah, I'm back. Um, got a few thoughts come to my head. Uh, one of them, well, I guess two interrelated points, is, um, is trade and draft manipulation. Uh, so Gold Coast, obviously putting up, you know, um, pick six and and bows and whatnot, had at least three, but um, uh, you could say four, I guess, with St Kilda, Essendon, Hawks and Geelong, all wanted to take that pick, right? Um, they don't need, or they didn't need bows to to agree 
or to, to say that he was only going to Geelong. He would have gone to any of those four. He was happy to entertain any of those four. Uh, I think we'd be naive to assume that there's no kind of manipulation um, by clubs of other clubs um, in that space, um, which then leads you to the conclusion of like, all right, if manipulation is allowed, if you're able to put someone in the Gold Coast recruiting team, or if you're able to get into players' heads and um, uh, essentially promise them that you'll you'll trade for them in two years' time or or whatever it is like Geelong may have done, um, and like potentially the Hawks might have done with Cooper Stevens as well, um, then. Where does that leave Harry Sheasel and North Melbourne's pick at this draft? Uh, I think, look, I, it's it's hard to know what what conversations do happen behind the scenes with players throughout the year. I mean, every time this, this time of the year comes around, you hear different things from player managers. We've been speaking to this, this um, player and this club for 12, 18 months, that sort of thing. Um, so clearly conversations happen outside of trade periods. Obviously, deals even get agreed to outside of trade periods. So um, that's that's obviously very common knowledge. I, I think the Hawks aren't stupid and they'll be having conversations now with players that are about to be drafted just to stay on their good side. So um, obviously, we know Sheasel is a mad hawk and we'll hope to get uh, him and or his dad on one of these, one of these spaces um, at some point. But um, I think, yeah we will have conversations with him about what that all looks like um, and potentially where he wants to play. Well, look, I think we've gone over time and that was always going to happen with such a frenetic final day with a lot of Hawks news coming through. Before we go, I just want to get your final thoughts, Danny and Brad, and and some parting thoughts on uh, Jager and Tom, who have obviously been great servants to the Hawthorne Footy Club, had some really Really great moments capped off by uh, Titus Brownlow and some low moments, the broken leg and um, and and I think definitely he, the sort of drop off in form um, last year. But keen to hear your thoughts, Danny. Yeah, look, I think um, it's unfortunate that their tenures at the Hawks ended or kind of evolved the way that they did. Um, they were obviously brought in to help us to continue to. Uh, compete at a high level and it'll be just as a side note there's a mirroring thing happening happening over at Richmond at the moment with them bringing in Taranto and Hopper Um, and it smells very eerily similar to what um, Clarkson did with uh, O'Meara and Mitchell in that one off season so it will be very interesting to see how that sort of situation plays out and if it sort of pans out similar to what happened with the Hawks. I think O'Meara and Mitchell were the trades that Clarkson thought would keep them in the window and that didn't play out to be that way. So it's a, it's a real shame that we kind of mortgaged our future in order to bring them in. Um, Mitchell proved his worth as a footballer. I think that can absolutely be nothing but a tick. Um, He only cost pick 14. We were able to bring in somebody who won a Brownlow medal. I think he's, career at Hawthorne or his time at Hawthorne was just absolutely um, robbed uh, by that broken leg. I don't think we saw the same player pre-broken leg that we did post-broken leg. And look for, personally, I hope he um, thrives at, at 
Uh, Collingwood being able to feed out to those fast midfielders that they have in the Dacos brothers and guys like that. Um, and I think we'll see some good football from him next year. Um, he just was a square peg in a round hole at Hawthorne this year, and there was no spot for him going forward. O'Meara, I really had a soft spot for O'Meara um, from day one, and I hoped he'd be the player that was advertised. He was nothing like the player that was advertised. He was um, a B-grade um, soldier more than the A-grade um, game-breaker that we would we had hoped for and that we'd paid for. So from that aspect, his tenure at the Hawks will always go down as a failure. Um, but I think if you have a look at everything that he was up against, and none of his price is not his fault. That's dictated to by the clubs. I think O'Meara um, gave it absolutely everything he had for the Hawks while he was here. And I think his attitude, professionalism, leadership, and the, just his general way he went about it um, will definitely be missed at the Hawks next year more than maybe his output, output on the field. Uh, and I think that O'Meara um, will be a very good get for Fremantle with a young midfield group losing Monday, um, five stepping sort of more into a sort of hybrid forward role next year. He's going to be able to really help the Brayshaws, the Sarongs and guys like that um, yeah, solidify their position in the midfield and just give them that extra body to go through there and rotate. And he'll be a fantastic leader for, um, you know, some of their other midfielders, Neil Erasmus and Mike, uh, Matthew Johnson that they drafted last year um, to learn from in terms of how AFL players go about it professionalism-wise. So um, we will miss Jager and Tom. I think they were the right deals to make to move them on. Um, but... I, yeah, just, I mean, not that they'll probably ever hear this, but uh, I'd like to thank them for their service and, and thank them for um, choosing the Hawks. And hopefully one day we'll be in a better position than what we are right now in the sort of not too distant future. And we can um, chase players of that calibre. And hopefully next time we chase a, a player of that calibre, they um, probably perform a little bit better than Jager did. Yeah, that's a great point, I think, to end it on, Danny. And obviously, class professionals and people both Titch and um, Jager and we do wish them all the best um, and thank them so much for the ser their service to the Hawthorne Footy Club. Um, thank you everyone for joining us nightly over the past week. We've had a lot of fun. I'm personally really looking forward to getting back to my family um, and having maybe a, a Damo Barrett free week but you know it, I just don't think that's possible. Um, no spaces tomorrow night as Ash said earlier. Um, hopefully we'll join you next week, but just keep your eyes on peeled on Twitter and we'll, we'll let you know what's happening. We're going to be back to do it all again for the draft. Huge thanks to my co-hosts, Danny and Brad, and for Ash from calling in from Marvel and giving us a bit of an insight into Mark McKenzie's mind there. Um, and yeah, just check out the sub stack for some trade wrap ups. We've got some draft speculation, Brad's best 22 coming up um, and some lists analysis as well. So thanks everyone for subscribing. Thanks for joining us and uh, we really appreciate it. Have a good week.